did. Judy says she doesn't play that for Baptist dances. <laughs> Matthew 12, and last week we ended at verse 30. And so let me give you a little bit of background. The Pharisees, uh, in essence, have put out a contract on Jesus' life. Uh, they want him dead, and they want him dead at any cost. And to this end, they accuse him of being a sorcerer. They say that the power that he has comes from the devil and not from God. Uh, and Jesus shows them how illogical it is. He said, if I cast out demons by Satan, well, how about all the other Jewish exorcists? Who do they cast out demons uh, from? And so he shows them how illogical their argument is. They accuse him of being a sorcerer because that's a capital crime. If they can make that accusation stick they can put him to death so you need to sort of understand some of that background I'm hearing music in the background here coming through a PA system anybody hear that I don't know how we can do that but that's sort of bothering me but if I get wound up it won't bother me so let me just so anyway uh, so Jesus shows him how illogical that statement is and then he adds something in verse 28 he says but, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus says that he cast out demons by the Spirit of God. They say Satan, Jesus says Spirit. They say magician, Jesus says Messiah. And he says the fact that he cast out demons by the Spirit of God is a sign that the kingdom has come. And he draws this whole argument to a conclusion in verse 30 when he says he who is not with me is against me but we know the Pharisees are against him he goes on to say he who does not gather with me scatters abroad and this describes the, the Pharisees uh, the people who are with him are people who gather others into the kingdom the people who are against him are the ones who drive people away who scatter people away from Jesus. So this describes the Pharisees. And so that brings us to our passage today. And Jesus explains what the consequences of their understanding is. When they, when they say that he cast out demons by Satan, he now gives the consequences. So look at verse 31. It says, therefore. You see that? Uh, the word therefore simply means consequently. If you wanted to say, what does therefore mean? It means consequently. So, the consequences of their statement is this. Consequently, I say to you, now not to his disciples, he's speaking to the Pharisees. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Now, notice we can divide Jesus' statement into two sections, two categories. Number one, Sins that are forgivable. Sins that are forgivable. Number two, sins that are not forgivable. Okay? First, the sins that are forgivable. Notice he says, every sin will be forgiven of men. That means every kind of sin. God forgives every kind of sin that you commit. From the little white lie to even 
Saul of Tarsus who commits murder. No one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond hope. Those sins can be forgiven, and we've known some real rascals who have been forgiven. Look what else he says. Not, can every, not only is every kind of sin forgiven, but look at this. Therefore I say to you, every blasphemy will be forgiven of men. Now that word blasphemy means to defame God. To defame God. There are atheists going around today and in the past who laugh at God, the existence of God. They mock God. That's defaming God. Uh, another way that you can defame God is uh, what Job's wife told him to do. Curse God and die! That's uh, mocking God. That's blasphemy. Okay? Uh, when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, they said, you've committed blasphemy. You're putting yourself on uh, par with God. That's a blasphemy. That can be forgiven. There are a lot of Hindus that believe they're God, you know? Hindu holy men. Guess what? They can come to Christ and be forgiven. There are atheists who defame the name of God, and they can be forgiven. In fact, some in the past year or two have come to Christ, and God forgave them of that blasphemy. So that's category number one. What kind of sins are forgivable? But second, notice this. What is not forgivable? Look at the end of verse 31. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Now in the context, listen, in the context of the passage, what is blasphemy against the Spirit? It's what? Attributing to Satan the works of the Spirit. That's what they've just done. Ah! He cast out demons by the Spirit, by Satan. That's blasphemy against the Spirit. Jesus says that cannot be forgiven. Now, do the Pharisees know that Jesus' power doesn't come from the devil? Yeah, they know that. So why are they saying it? They know that he's no, the devil doesn't do these things. Why are they saying that he does it by the devil? What do you think? Are they stupid? No, you don't stay in power and be stupid like these people. So uh, yeah, they you know they just wanted a reason to charge him with a capital crime. That's all. They know the truth. Now look what Jesus does. He elaborates on this. Look at verse thirty-two. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man shall be forgiven. Now notice that. If you speak against the Father, if you blaspheme and mock God, that's forgivable. Now look at this. Verse 32. If you speak against the Son, that's forgivable. There have been a lot of people who have spoken against Christ. Isn't that correct? That's forgivable. But, verse 32, whoever, no exceptions, speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. So you can blaspheme God, you can blaspheme the Son. That's why Peter denies Jesus. He denies the Son. He speaks a word against Jesus at his trial, remember? 
The maiden girl said, ah, you're one of his. Ah, I don't know who this guy is. Never seen him before in my life. He forgives Peter. But if you speak a word against the Holy Spirit, you will not get away with it. This act is different than any other kind of sin. Now, notice a few things, because we need to sort of flesh this out. Okay. Notice, first of all, the verb speaks. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's a present tense verb. Doesn't mean that if you said something against the Holy Spirit one time, it's not forgiven. This is talking about a person who uh, continuously, deliberately attributes to Satan the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, and doesn't do it in ignorance. They do it willfully, knowingly, and deliberately. And I think that's the difference between, uh, let's say, Peter's denial, which is, he's caught off guard. The woman says, ah, you want to go? And Judas Iscariot. That's the difference between a denial and a betrayal. Judas knows exactly the power that Jesus has. And yet he betrays Jesus and he denies that Jesus has the power and he sides with the Pharisees. And so there's a difference there. Now notice also the person who commits this sin, at least in this passage, are religious people. You see that? Not lost people who are just secular out there and you know just good old-fashioned sinners. These are people who are religious but they're power brokers and they don't want to lose their power. So there's sort of a motive behind what they're doing. They have an agenda. And they're not going to allow the truth to stand in their way. You know anybody like that? Has an agenda? They're not going to allow the truth to stand in their way? So they just deny the truth. Jesus says, and the Bible says, beware of those who call good evil. And evil good. And that's what the Pharisees do. So this is their agenda. Now, we know from the New Testament the Holy Spirit does a couple things. Number one, he testifies of Jesus. Number two, he convicts of sin. And number three, he draws people to Christ. If you deny the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and you do not listen to his conviction, and these people are convicted, but they're just pushing it off, and when he's drawing you, you just keep saying no, 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 no. Then the Holy Spirit just stops speaking. He quits drawing you. The, the, the call to come to Christ gets quieter and quieter. And finally it just stops. And once it stops, it's too late. Because you can't come to Christ unless the Spirit of God draws you. Notice also in verse 32 that he has this statement. He says the forgiveness is permanent. He says, but whoever sins against the Holy Spirit, or speaks against the Holy Spirit, will not be, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this age or the age to come. Or the way Mark puts it in his Gospel, Mark tells the same story, he puts it, whoever does this is in danger of eternal damnation. In other words, uh, you cross a line when you do this, and you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and it's too late, you're lost eternally. Uh, you'll die in this lifetime without forgiveness, and you will not enter the kingdom of God in the future. Okay? 
So, now what Jesus does. So there's this little teaching right there, okay, based on the context. Now what he does is he calls the people to declare their status. Where are you, he says. Okay, now watch how he does this. Look at verse 33. He says to the Pharisees, either make the tree good, and it's fruit good, or else make the tree bad, and it's fruit bad. In other words, come clean. Uh, make up your mind. Declare yourself either a good tree, and he's using a metaphor here, with good fruit, and show it with good fruit, or just declare yourself as a bad tree with bad fruit. That's what he's saying. Now, what have they said about Jesus? They declared that Jesus is a bad tree. Ah, he cast out demons by who? Satan. So they know they would say Jesus is a bad tree. So Jesus said, well, let me ask you this. What kind are you? Either make the tree good, in other words, be good people, and let's see the fruit of it, or just continue on and be bad people, and let's see the fruit of that. Say it and declare it. And they don't answer. They don't give him an answer. They just keep their mouth shut. So, Jesus declares it for them. Okay? So look what he says in the next verse. Verse 34. He says, brood of vipers. Now, if you want to know what they are, here's what they are. They're a brood of vipers. They are snakes. Now, this is the same thing that John the Baptist said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In fact, I want to show this to you. Because it's very important that you see this. This is what sort of links everything together. Go back to chapter 3 for a second. And when you get to chapter 3, look down at verse 7. Okay, Chapter 3 and verse 7. What you have here is uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people. And throngs are coming out to be baptized by John. They're repenting. Okay. Now, look what happens. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, they said, hey, we want to be baptized. He said to them, what? Slimy snakes? A brood of vipers? Says the exact same thing, doesn't he? Now, that's significant because that's what Jesus says. But look at the next word and see how it, does, how it fits in with what Jesus says. Who warned you? to flee the wrath to come. Therefore, do what? Bear what? Fruits worthy of repentance. And don't say to yourself, ah, we have Abraham as our father, we don't need to repent. So notice what he does. He calls them broods of vipers, and then he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Now go back to Jesus' statement in 12... 34, and look what he says. 33, either make the tree good with good fruit, see that? Or the tree bad with bad fruit, because a tree is known by its what? By its fruit. That's what John said. Repent. Bring forth what? Fruits unto repentance. And they're not doing it. They are a brood of vipers. So that's what Jesus is doing. That's how Jesus is saying it. He says, declare yourself. Either repent and bring forth good fruit, show yourself to be a good tree, or else, just 
keep going on and seal your fate. Keep going on with the same line that you've got. Now look what else he says in verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. Speaks. Why is speak important? Because what did he say? Anyone who speaks, see in verse 32, against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. Speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say reveals the condition of your what? Your heart. See? So that's what he's saying. Verse 34. Brood of vipers. Now watch. I'm going to read it, the whole statement now. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil... Look, how can you, being evil, that's their nature. He's already called them a brood of vipers. What's their nature? Evil. Look, how can you, being evil, that's their nature, speak good things? And guess what? They can't. If you're evil, you don't speak good things. Why not? Look at the end of verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So the condition of your heart is revealed by your speech. Now look at verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. <clears throat> now it's not speech now, it's actually deeds. A man with a good heart does good things. Now, does Jesus have a good heart? Yes. Does he do good things? Yes, he heals people. He casts out demons. He raises people from the dead. You see that? Now look what else it says in verse 35. And out and the an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. This describes the Pharisees. Do they do evil things? Yes, they want to kill Jesus. So your heart is revealed by what you say and by what you do. You can't get away with fooling people. You might say one thing in a calculating way, but when your defenses are down, what you say will really reveal your heart. And you might put on a show, but guess what? When you're really following your heart, you'll do the things that your heart indicates, whether it's either good or whether it's bad. Now look at verse 36. But I say to you, now watch this, this is very interesting. <clears throat> but I say to you, that every idle word men speak, that men may speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. Notice. Every idle word, every idle word men speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. We're going to be judged by our deeds, by our works, and we're going to be judged by our words. Now, you see that phrase? Idle word. You see that? Every idle word. This is where it gets very interesting. It comes from one Greek word. Argos. Okay. And Argos means deedless words. Deedless 
words. It means to say one thing, uh, but not carry it out. It's a deedless word. An idle word is a deedless word. You say, you make a vow, I'm going to do this, but then guess what? You don't do it. So that would be a, a word that doesn't, isn't followed up with deeds. See? It means to produce nothing. Argos means to produce nothing. Now there's a movie out right now starring Ben Affleck. I didn't see it. I have no idea if they play on this word or not. Do they? But in the movie, Affleck is a CIA agent and he's going to rescue American prisoners from Iran. They are in the Canadian Embassy. They've taken refuge in the Canadian Embassy. This much I know. But how is he going to do it? So he decides that he's going to, uh, he gets a group of people from Hollywood together and says, what we're going to do is we're going to tell the Iranians that we are making a movie. And we're going to use, we need their area for a set. Okay, a set. And so he goes there and he says, we're going to make a movie. We're going to you know, get permission to make the movie on your, on, in your, pro, on your land. We need a set. This is the background we want. But guess what? He has no intention to produce a movie. See? These are deedless words. He's going to produce nothing. He says they're going to produce a movie, but they go over there and what do they do? Rescue the prisoners. Okay? That's Argos. That movie is called Argo. Now, it's just as I was studying this and I saw this word, I said, Can you believe this movie's come out this week? Uh, but he's producing nothing. It's a scam. It's a scam. Now, that was for the purpose of rescuing somebody. But Jesus uses the word a little differently. He's saying, you know something to the Pharisees? You talk a good game, but it's all hot air. It produces absolutely nothing. You claim to follow God, but you don't. They are deedless words. Okay? And those kinds of words, when you... Say, I'm making a pledge, I'm making a vow, I promise to do this on my mother's dead body, you know, on the stack of Bibles, and then you don't pull up, you don't come through. Or you say, you know, uh, where he leads me, I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You know, and then you don't do it. That's an idle word. And Jesus says, those idle words. You will give an account of those idle words in verse 36 in the day of judgment. So, this is a warning to us that uh, we need to take our words seriously. We're not like people who just speak idle words. Our words must be accompanied by deeds. If they're accompanied by good deeds, that reveals our heart is being good. If our words are not accompanied by anything. Our heart is revealed as being evil. Now look at verse 37. For by your words, meaning on the day of judgment, you will be justified, you'll be acquitted, you'll be forgiven of all your sins. You know, you'll be declared righteous if your words match, if your deeds match your words and your words have weight. The world can condemn you. You can be put in jail. You can face a cross like Jesus. But guess what? God will acquit you. You will not be found guilty. And, he says in verse 37, and by your words, you will be 
can do. You say you want to do something, that you're going to do something, and then guess what? You don't do it. What does that reveal? Your heart is evil, and therefore by your words you will be condemned. So that's Jesus' teaching. Now, after saying that, after saying that, the amazing thing is when you read the next verse, look what it says. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Do you see how ironic this is? As serious as what Jesus said, you're going to be judged by your words. And guess what the next statement is? We want to see a sign from you. Do they really? No! The next sentence, they do the same thing. It's amazing, isn't it? They just chirp up. It's like it hasn't registered. That's how it is with us. <laughs> no, no, look, we just heard what Jesus said, and some of us will go out and do the same thing. We'll walk right out of this room, and we'll do the same thing, and we'll chirp up, and we'll say something. They don't want to see any sign from Jesus. What do they want to do with Jesus? They want to kill Jesus. This is just another empty word. And that's why he says, an evil and an adulterous generation... Notice what kind of generation? Evil. Do you see that? Evil. Out of an evil heart the mouth speaks. An evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And he's going to talk about the resurrection. He said, if you want to see a sign, I'm going to finally give you one. But it's going to come after you put me to death. And God is going to raise me from the dead. And I'm going to be vindicated. I'm going to be judged by my words. I'm going to be put to death. And you're going to find out whether my words were true or not. God is going to vindicate me. And he's going to declare me not guilty. And so he says the only sign that they will give, will be given, will be the sign of Jonah. And then he'll end that section in verse 42 with a greater than Solomon is here. <clears throat> These people are people who say they love the temple. Who built the temple? Solomon built the temple. And what he's going to do, he's then going to show them that one greater than Solomon is here. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Let's pray. Lord, help us not to be people who speak idle, deedless words. Help our, our works match our words. Help us not to fall into the trap of the Pharisees who have their own agenda. They don't, want, they don't even allow the truth to stand in the way. They'll twist the truth. They will, they will declare what is good to be evil. They will declare what is from the Spirit to be from Satan. All because they have an agenda. Lord, help us to learn this lesson. Help us to have only one agenda, which is your agenda. Help us to follow Jesus. Help us to be people who 
whose words match their, their talk, their words match their walk, and their walk match their words. Help us to be people of integrity. Help us to realize, Lord, that we're to speak the truth in love, and no matter what, we're not to give in, we're not to cave in, and that one day, uh, when we face the judgment, we'll be judged by our words, and our heart will be revealed for what it is. You'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And those who are just talkers, along with those who are mockers, uh, their heart will be revealed as well. So Lord, help us to be true to your word. Help us to be examples for those around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.